Welcome to episode 710.5. It's a 0.5 because I skipped 709, so I'm trying to keep the math right. Because next week will be episode 711. Welcome to the show, El Rojo. What up, what up? Yep. So we have El Rojo with us, and we also have a mini high a lot. What's up? Uh, What up? So Jet's now um, the doctor. And he's going to give us all the science behind uh, what we're doing with his youth soccer team. They had a rain out. Yeah, we, I almost scored a goal. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of that on this show. But uh, first, the question uh, I have for you, the listener, the viewer, the watcher, wherever you're from, do you coach your child at practice or at games? Even if you're not the coach, uh, do you do that? Do you have... Uh, you must do that. Just let us know. We'd like to have a conversation with you and try to get inside your brain to understand why do you feel like you have to interject in such a way. We're going to show you Dr. Lavoie's Fat City, which is frustration, anxiety, and tension disorder that you create as the parent, as a coach, as a teacher, that you can create that environment. Are you able to, like, Jack, like, when we're not talking to Jed, do you see the – his mute button there. There's a mute button. Yeah. Do you see where his level of his volume is? Oh, right. Yeah. Well, you don't have to mute it there. You can just hit the red, the red, see the red light. Yeah. Mute him. All right. Now talk jet. Hello. You still hear him from your mic. Well, you hear him from my mic, but I don't want to listen to his and then you can unmute him occasionally. But, um, anyways, uh, that, uh, we're going to do a Phoenix college update. We're going to obviously talk about fat city and what we're doing and parents. It, hopefully be eye-opening to show you what, how we say things that can affect children's development as the sideline parent or whatever it may be. Chet, what's up, brother? You can unmute. Have a pie, gave them their worst defeat in the history of their program, 5-0. That's just normal what we do to Phoenix Phoenix College does the Avapai on repeat mode. It's just the nature of how things have happened. Avapai used to be great, and then... Phoenix College came around and ended the reign of terror, and it's over. But according to the standings, uh, we are uh, number two, just behind Arizona Western with one game to go. So if we win and they tie or lose, we will then be in first place. But we're first place in Division Two. We're number two in the country in the uh, goals scored. We have 86 goals. This is really telling. Uh, we are far and away um, above everybody else in scoring goals in goals against. We are uh, number one as well, even though it shows number 11 on what you're viewing on YouTube. uh, That's where you want to be. We are only allowing uh, a total of seven goals throughout the season. And then on the national leaderboard, Phoenix college is number one in goals for, uh, with averaging 6.62 goals a game is our average. We're number one in the country. And then in goals against, we are number three in the country with only allowing 0.53 goals a game, which is very um, telling as uh, far as where we're heading. Uh, offensive leaders in the ACCAC, we have uh, Gabriel Gonzalez uh, from Phoenix College has 14 goals. And then uh, Garrick, uh, from Phoenix College has nine goals. He is fourth in assists. We have Marcos Mora, who's in, uh, with 11 assists. And 
Just in second place is Mylon Arce with eight, who's from Phoenix College as well. So we, that's the Phoenix College update. You can get that off. And uh, we're going to move it right into Dr. Lavoy and, and really have a conversation with the parents and coaches and teachers of all kinds. What happens when the sidelines get a little disruptive with a lot of information? Or in my case, at practice, I had a parent just interject during practice. He just couldn't accept that his son was having some failure. It was unacceptable. He's, it was coaching during practice, which was How crazy. dare you? Yeah, that was uh, disgusting. And I was trying to be nice as I can, but I only can be so nice. New, new family in, in uh, Jets team, and for whatever reason, they feel like they have to interject. Like, I'm coach, but he's coach. No, you're daddy, but I need the parents to be involved, but in a way that they're supporting what I'm teaching or this won't work. Um, so I think it's fitting to show um, some of these, uh, these things from Dr. Lavoie. So for the ones that don't know the fr- frustration, anxiety, and tension disorder that's created from the sidelines. Um, it's a real thing. And we, uh, Dr. Lavoie actually took these educators, educators, these teachers, these engineers, these uh, lawyer that brought all these professionals in and then put them through an environment that explains what kids go through when, when frustration, anxiety, and tension disorder uh, is right in front of us. So we're going to start with the first uh, video. Look at me when I'm yelling at you. Know that it is the human reaction to anxiety. The first human reaction to anxiety is to look away from the source of the anxiety. And yet, what's the first thing we say to kids when we yell at them? You look at me while I'm yelling at you. You look at me while I'm spoiling your life. And we do that as soccer coaches. Soccer coaches, what, what are you doing? You're trying to interject yourself in the game, talk in the game. And you're like, hey, no, no, just stop. Look at me. Look at me. while I'm telling you, is it not possible that? the players on the field can hear your voice and just process it. Do they really have to stare at you? The the, the answer is no. I mean, it doesn't require that, but we do that as uh, coaches and comment. Let, let me know if you think that's wrong. Should you be making sure you have eye contact with the players that you're uh, coaching, especially in the heat of moment of a game. And are you a coach that does that? Rethink your life. All right, uh, the next video that we're going to show you is about how we're, and it's mainly for parents, I guess coaches as well, about how you should try harder if you can't do it. Does when the child cannot perceive something. Here's the first thing that teachers do. Each one is a little bit sillier than the one in front of it. Here's the first thing that teachers do. Debbie, tell me what that is. Debbie, look at it. A rock. Debbie, look at it. Here it comes. Debbie, look at it harder. See, I don't know what that means. <laughs> for years tell kids to look at something harder. I have no idea what that means. I don't know what that means. I mean, I can push harder or pull harder, but I can't look at something harder. And we do that too. Like we're trying to teach something uh, or a parent gets very frustrated that their child's not performing at a certain level. You just got to work harder. It's not the case. You're wrong and uh, we should stop doing it. But um, if it doesn't work out, what do we generally try to do? We try to bribe our kids with that video. We say we're going to give them something. Debbie, would you please tell me what that is? Tell me what that is, and you can be first in line for recess. Did that help? No, Why do we do that? Why do we do that as teachers? 
The child can't do something, so we automatically promise him something if he can. That would be like if I took my child to the hospital with a temperature of 105 degrees, and I went to the doctors and I said, Doctor, my child's got a temperature of 105 degrees. And the doctor said, here, I tell you what, here, I'll give you this dollar. I'll give you this dollar if you can get it down to 102, son. How would that be? You would expect the doctor to give some sort of medicine. You wouldn't expect the doctor to try to bribe the child out of his temperature, and yet that's what we do with kids. We try to bribe them. By giving them. And it's been happening forever. It's happening from the very uh, inception of my coaching career to right now where I'm back into it after an eight-year layoff. Uh, bribing, bribing is still happening. Money doesn't, doesn't help performance. The children rather, rather be successful so they feel good about themselves over any amount of money. That, that is a fact. Here's, a, here's another bribe for $100. Of course. No, I, I okay. don't know what that thing is. Okay, here we go, Debbie. Well, I've got a check, blank check for $100. I will sign this over to you if you can tell me what this is oh, in five seconds. going to kill me. <laughs> five, four, three, two, one. Five more seconds for $100. Five, four, three, two, one. Was Debbie motivated? Was Debbie motivated? Could she do it? No. Because you see, learning disabilities has very little to do with motivation. What it really has to do with is perception. Perception. You see, you can all see this picture, but you can't perceive it. Yeah, they can't perceive it. It doesn't matter the amount of money, and I, and I know what you're thinking. It's like, uh, we're learning about the learning disabled child. No. Everyone can become learning disabled depending on what the perceptions are, where you're at, the environment, sidelines, coaches, parents, it, we all can create it for anybody based on stress and anxiety that is presented every Saturday on a soccer field close to you, any sport I would imagine. Um, but if bribing doesn't work, what is the next thing parents do? Because they're not working hard. They're, they're, they're not performing. I, I yelled at them. I told them to look at me in the eyes. I offered them money, and they're still not doing it. They're very defiant, so we're now going to take things away. Yes, please. No. Is we begin taking things away. We begin taking things away from the child. Tell me what that is, or you can't go to recess. Tell me what that is, or I'll send a note home to your mother. Tell me what that is, or I'll drop you down a reading group. When that doesn't Yeah. That's what happens. So I tried screaming at him. I tried to say, hey, gently look at me when I'm talking. You, you need to work harder um, and, and just try again and just do it harder. And um, then I'll offer you money and you still don't perform. And then I'll have, offer Jet, uh, you know, not, well, this is my compromise. If you don't do well and you don't perform how I want you to, Jet. I'm taking, I'm taking away the tablet from you and you're grounded to your room. And you start taking things away. Um, and if all of it fails, if all of it fails, it's not the coach's fault. It's not the, it's not the parent's fault. It's the child's fault. Blaming the victim, Jack. What's called blaming the victim. What we do is we blame Debbie. We say the reason Debbie can't tell me what this is is she's not what? Trying. trying hard enough. You see, what that reflects is what we call blaming the victim. 
That reflects blaming the victim. What we say is, the reason the child can't tell me what this is, is that the child is not motivated. It's a motivational problem. Because we all know that the answer to learning disabilities is motivation, right? The key to overcoming learning disabilities is motivation, correct? Wrong. Wrong. Motivation is one of the most misunderstood concepts in education today. Motivation only enables us to do, to the best of our ability, what we are already capable of doing. All right, and Jet just left the door. He's going to the bathroom. You better do it right, Jet! You better aim for the middle and not hit the urinal. Do it right. Um, I'll give you $100 if you can pee correctly. Jet might be back. He's going to the bathroom right now. You ever seen the, the video of Dumb and Dumber? Well, the movie Dumb and Dumber? And Jim Carrey's in the, uh, yeah, I've seen and it. he's like, "Woo, that's how Jet urinates." Oh. <laughs> Wrong. Um, yeah, so I blame Jet if he makes a mistake because I didn't teach him to do. Is that your phone? Yeah, my bad. answer. Who is it? No, I don't want to answer it. I want to know who it is. It's probably a f- person from Japan again. It is. Oh, I think it's Tom Byer. Oh yeah, t- Tom Byer did call me. Yeah. So um, he goes, "Ah, I think I called your son's number." Um, yeah. Yeah, I talked to him before the show. Anyway, oh, Jet, Jet's back. Did you pee correctly? Yes. Oh, I got $50 for you for peeing correctly, but I, I got to check your work. Shut the door. All right, have a seat. Dude, Dad, if I didn't have this on mute, we would have heard him peeing the whole time. That's okay. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think it's working anyway, so we're good to go, but that would have been hilarious. Um, yeah, so it, we do these things. We try to take things away. We try to, we try to, uh, uh motivate these children in, unrealistic forms of screaming at them, threatening them, offering them money, taking things away, doing all those things. And none of it works because we don't understand the perception of anything. And, uh, you know, of course, when we fail as a parent or a coach, it's never the player's fault or excuse me, it's never our fault. It's always the player's fault. So we cut them and that's what we do. All right. uh, Let's play. It's a cow. This is all about perception. What you have in front of you is a photograph, a poor quality photograph, but the photograph of the face of a cow. The cow's looking directly in your face. Raise your hand if you cannot see it, I'll come around and show it to you. Raise your hand if you can't see it. Face of a cow. Oh my God. All right. All right. Anybody over here not see it? Anybody not see it? Nancy? Face of a cow. What? Yeah. All right. Did you see the cow? Um, it's all about perception, but once you're able to teach in such a way or parent in such a way, and once they figure it out in a safe manner versus look at me when I'm telling you how to do it, even though you won't figure it out, or here's a hundred dollars kind of thing, the way you're trying to have them see the cow. You just, we have to start teaching in such a way that we allow failure. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so we always get angry over perception. I might have these videos in the wrong order, but we're going to find out. Put on the video. We, we get angry over perception. I brought in a picture today and I'm going to show everybody this picture. And all I want everyone to do is to write a nice title for the picture. Oh, no, no, no. All right. Everyone, a good title for that picture, please. Something I'm going to like, no talking, just come up with a good title for the picture. Do you like your answer? Yes. Carol, do you like yours? Stephanie, do you like yours? 
Is this good enough for me to read in front of the class? Okay. Stephanie gave me an answer that she says is not only good, but it's good enough for me to read in front of the class, okay? All right, so we're going to hey, – back to me. We, we can move it back to that point. So um, uh, before – my bad. And I just threw the show together. I'm getting sick of missing. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I was trapped in Prescott flipping all day in rain, and we're the only ones that got the game in. But um, th this video, I really want you to pay attention because it's very important to understand that um, when you work with little people or adults, anyone, if, if you don't have an understanding that everyone perceives things differently based on where they come from, what, through their experiences, what, you know, what, what their culture is, just so many different things, but especially dealing with kids in soccer, uh, especially coaches that are, you know, competent as a player, but coaching, it's different. You're dealing with, uh, players that, uh, are little people that are trying to learn from you. And not everything's easy as you think. So it's very important you understand the perception and try to see what this, everyone sees a skull, try to see what it really looks like to you. And then we'll unveil it uh, later, but um, go ahead and comment and let us know if you can identify what this is during this broadcast. Go ahead. I brought in a picture today and I'm going to show everybody this picture. And all I want everyone to do is to write a nice title for the picture. There's your picture. All right, everyone, a good title for that picture, please. Something I'm going to like. No talking, just come up with a good title for the picture. Maria, do you like your answer? Yes. Carol, do you like yours? Stephanie, do you like yours? Is it good enough for me to read in front of the class? Yes. Okay. Stephanie gave me an answer that she says is not only good, but it's good enough for me to read in front of the class, okay? Were you trying to be funny here, Stephanie? No. Excuse me, class. Do you think this is funny? No. Did you write this to be funny? No, I didn't. Would you like to see how funny I think this is, Stephanie? You know, I can think of nothing that a kid can write on a piece of paper that gives a teacher the right to tear it up in front of them. And yet it happens in schools all the time. And when I'm consulting at a school and they tell me there's a teacher who tears papers up in front of them, I say this to the teacher. I say to the teacher, suppose you passed in your contracts to your... To your uh, uh, Grades, your grade report cards at the end of the year to your principal, your final reports. And you handed them to your principal and the principal took them and he looked at it and he said, nah, this isn't what I had in mind. And he tore them up in front of you. I've never met a teacher that would tolerate that, yet we feel very comfortable doing it with kids. But let's get back to Stephanie, because Stephanie not only gave me an answer that was fresh, but then made it worse by telling me that it was good enough to read in front of the class. Well, you're not going to think it's very funny when you stay in for recess for a week, Stephanie, and when your mother comes in for a conference. And you know what she's going to say, class? You know what she's going to say? I got in trouble with Mr. Lavoie today, but I didn't do anything wrong, because that's what she always says. You want to know what fresh answer Stephanie gave me and then embarrassed me by telling me it was good enough to read in front of the class? Death stalker. Death stalker. Here, I take the time. Now, take a look at it. I take the time to bring in a beautiful picture of a woman looking at herself in the mirror. Take a look at it. Okay. See it, Did you see it? I saw it, yeah. Yeah, you saw it. Uh, comment if you missed that. We can uh, bring it all the way back to the end of that video. But um, it's, it's all based on perception. It, it seems so clear to us how to do these certain things and they should be able to get because I, the coach understand how it works. It's so clear and, or on the parent I've seen on TV, it looks easy. 
but we don't understand the whole perception of what they're really going through, how they understand it. So as a coach, as a parent, you, you have to find ways to teach the children a little bit differently and change your approach and change your approach. And that's what I do with uh, Jets team right now. I have all the parents during practice. If they're going to be at practice, they have to be right next to me uh, together so they can actually have conversation, ask questions during practice, um, call me out if needed, especially after if, if I, I get um, do things that are inappropriate as far as uh, how I talk to the children and stuff like that. And I, I screw up all the time. I understand that, but I love having the pressure of the parents being right there because they should hear what I say as a coach. And it'll keep me uh, trying to pay attention what this is really all about. It's about, are we able to do technical things in such a way that we can teach them uh, through a process to allow them to have those aha moments where like, oh, I get it. And they get so excited when they get it. But what do we do as coaches and parents? We want it right now. That's why we bribe. That's why we take things away. That's why we scream. That's why we yell because we want it right now. This whole instant gratification of our, our coaching style of have to win on Saturday versus have to develop that they can enjoy the game for a lifetime. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. It's, it's hard to find. And I rather lose constantly by 10 goals Plus, as long as our kids are getting reps on the ball and be able to look up and make decisions and then slowly make those decisions, it's important. And I think it's very important that um, we pay attention that perceptions are different for everybody. Now, we'll take questions from the listeners. If you got any questions about anything I'm doing, especially in the heated, the heated side of coaching. Coaching's hard, by the way, uh, before we get to the questions, Jack. Um, comment by me. I don't get paid to coach. I refuse payment because I want zero attachment to what I do. If I'm going to coach, I'm going to do it my way. And it's going to be about playing a certain way, playing like they do on TV. Now we're not going to, we're not going to look like man city, but our competition is of our level, our age, no million dollar players across the field. We must look up take touches, make decisions just like they do on TV right now and allow failure so we can keep elevating their game so they can learn how to play in such a way that will help them get the repetition needed that they can enjoy the game for a lifetime. Because once they're able to have the ball under pressure and have success because the coach and the sideline allowed it, they're going to love the game. And that's the goal. And that's what we're supposed to do. Plus, those kids were teaching uh, to love the game and play it proper where they're not afraid to go backwards. They're not afraid to step with their goalkeeper out of the box and connect passes because that's what is expected at the next level. Uh, they're not afraid to play a short corner and, and uh, just identify passes, make those passes versus just kicking the mixer and just hope it goes in. That is disgusting and gross. And you should be ashamed of yourself Coaches, parents that support that because it doesn't help. You should play a style that mimics what they do in the EPL. They have to be able to handle pressure. They'll have to be able to dribble out of pressure. Teach them how to do that and allow them to try because anything difficult will require hundreds of failures. 
on a Saturday or a Sunday when you guys are playing under the pressures of a game. Remove those pressures as much as you can. So back to what I was originally saying, I constantly have parents I have to address. And I'm, I, it's, it's nerve-wracking. I have to go to adult and say, in, in a nice, polite way that I can, stop freaking talking to your kid at practice. Like, what are you doing? Like, pulling them from, you need to do this. Like, who are you? Like, I have to address that. That's so uncomfortable. I get it. But if you guys detach yourselves from the whole money side, the pay-to-play model, and this whole, like, oh, I might offend to some, you, you don't have a choice. You need to find a way to have some conviction supported by your director of coaching and your board of directors. You have to have uh, a mutual understanding within your whole organization because if you don't, you are the weirdo of the club, like I am. I'm the weirdo of the club of State 48 because I'm trying to develop. I, and the only way you can do it is going after the parents because you need the parents to understand how development works. Fat City, watch the whole thing. Understand how humans function. Or better yet, we should do our own Fat City, Jack. Mm-hmm. Let's do a frustration, anxiety, and tension disorder soccer game. Let's get the parents in and let's coach them and scream at them from the sideline with adults. It needs to be adult to adult and make them feel bad. Like that last video we watched, it was just a a, a simulation. You know, she did nothing wrong. She knew it was. It was kind of fun. Everyone's laughing. And if you look at her face, hey, go to that video again. Which one was that? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Put that in. And I brought in a picture today, and I'm going to show no. everybody this picture. And all I want everyone to do is to be... write a nice title for the picture. There's your picture. All right? Everyone, a good title for that, that picture. Please. Something I'm going to like. All right. Okay, he's about to ask for it. Excuse me, Chris. Look at her Do you face. think this is funny? The elementary. Did you write this to be funny? No, I didn't. Would you like to see how funny I think this is, Stephanie? Look at her face. She's about to cry. You know, I can think and of nothing that a kid can write on a, a real piece of situation. paper that gives a teacher the right to tear it up in front of him. Right. And yet it has happens it on in her face again when, when, when I consult her in the school and they come to the teacher who tears papers up in front of them. I say this to the teacher. I say to the teacher, suppose you passed in your contracts to your, to your uh, uh, grades, your grade report forward. cards at the end of the get, year. Get it back to her face right there. When the princi- that face does not look like a face that feels like this is just for fun. Like they're just, she literally feels horrible about this whole situation. All right. That's good, Jack. Um, And that's a simulation. Imagine real life. It's a problem. So, um, oh, so we have one more video, then we'll we'll go to questions. So this last video is, is you can see it, but you can't see it. And this is the whole, it it almost goes to that movie, uh, White Man Can't Jump. Um, You, you can, you can listen to Jimmy but you can't hear Jimmy. Same concept. You see, you can all see this picture, but you can't perceive it. Here's what I'm going to do. I am now going to give you some direct instruction. Once I tell you what this is, about half of you will automatically get it, and you won't understand why you couldn't see it in the first place. The rest of you will need a little extra help, and that's okay, too. There'll also be some of you who'll say, oh, yeah, I know what that is, but you really don't. Don't do that, okay? (laughs) 
don't do that. Try, you know, you really want to, once you see it, it's like turning on a light in a dark room. But this is a classic picture that illustrates the difference between vision and perception. You can all see it, but you can't bring meaning to it until I teach you what it is. And this activity is done to demonstrate that what the LD child needs is a teacher. He needs a teacher, not, a, not necessarily all kinds of commercial software. What he needs is a teacher to give him this direct instruction, because once I give you this direct instruction, you will be able to see this perfectly clearly. What you have in front of you is a photograph of a cow, which, yeah, that was kind of out of order, but, but, but the point remains, um, we need teachers from the sideline. We need as many teachers. We need a community of teachers. We need the soccer community to join us to play in a way that's the way it's supposed to be played through a technical approach where uh, through a failure approach, I mean, a loud failure approach. How can we expect our children that are developing their minds are developing, they're physically uh, uh, developing. And we just want to just cut them out at the knees and just say, Nope, you didn't do it right. Therefore you must hate sports forever because I'm going to make you feel frustrated I'm going to give you anxiety. I'm going to give you tension that you've never felt before. We all feel it. We all go through it. So what are we doing? Can you look yourself in the mirror? Can you put yourself in your child's shoes and understand what they're going through? Can you? You need to. Because what's happening is I'm in a lot of uncomfortable conversations. This is why I was removed from club. This is why I started this podcast because I got sick of repeating myself because the people are the same over and over again. I get you. You have children. We all have children. I have four and you want them to be successful. I feel it just like you, but you don't have to voice it. You don't have to express it. You can just allow it and just kind of stay there. And the only thing you need to pay attention to is is the coach touching your child inappropriately? Jeez. Um, yeah, we have those. Uh, pay attention to that stuff. That really matters. It's called grooming. So if they're like, eh, petting and all that stuff, yeah, that's a problem. But we have to be better about doing that. All right. Uh, Megan, speaking of inappropriate touching, we got we to gotta get her jet. Let's smash her. Uh, Megan Rapino, always coming on the show. Um, uh, and we smash her every Sunday, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Please, please like and subscribe to this podcast so you know when we're on, which is every Sunday, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Live, always live, because I don't want to be fake. I want to always put myself in a position that I could get fired from life. All right, question. We had a question. All right. Um, put it on I'm and gonna, read I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to do three. All right. So Aaron, Aaron basically says, "Add it to the broadcast." When should uh, kids practice passing? Did you say that for well? Uh, practice passing? Yeah. Shoot, I, I don't know. There, there's no. I. The, there's going to be pa- passing's going to exist. I, I think. I think. Um, uh, yeah, you first you have to learn how to dribble, then you have to learn how to pass, and then you have to learn how to shoot eventually. Kind of that order, but it's okay to it's okay to teach technical stuff, dribbling, passing, all that stuff, and just I would put it like more of like depending on their age, if is uh, let's take age out of it. I think it should be like karate, like their first timer, 30-year-old first timer, learn the technique first. So maybe 80% dribbling, 20% passing, and 
really encourage them to do it at home. It, you know, you, a lot of us are trained twice a week. So uh, Jets team practices Monday and Wednesday. And then on Tuesday, they do um, te- technical work on the balance board. And then on Thursday, I send them videos to do like uh, extreme dribbling, we call it just like very difficult moves, like reverse step overs and what have you. You can find them all on my YouTube channel. As uh, Well, they're easy because you've been doing them for a while. But um, yeah, don't you don't have to turn these on. I don't think his mic works. Yeah, his camera just went out too. Yeah, his camera's out. This is a complete excommunication from the show. Dr. Hylot is gone. Um, yeah, yeah, he's Gandhi. So, uh, the, the, sure. The most important thing is that, and Jet's going to be out and leave your mic too. I got to figure this thing out. All right. So uh, Jet's stripping. (laughs) All right. You out? All right. Peace out, Jet. Nice knowing you. And Jet is leaving the building. Full. Thank you. Um, but the most important thing to really work on is finding a way to what mute it. Oh, sorry, I didn't. I didn't. I it didn't goes in my ears. It is on in my ears. Um, is uh, really taking care of the game and educating your parents about allowing them to play because they're gonna pass. It's gonna be there's gonna be games and they need a pass. Um, they need a they need to dribble. Uh, the rules I have it depending on the age, but the beginners I always have it where it's like I rather them dribble the ball until they can identify a pass before they make the pass. If they have a pass, make it early and often so everyone gets repetition, especially in games because it's so huge to be able to have successes like that in a game environment where there's referees and parents and there's nothing you do about the opposition because the opposition sideline is going to be crazy. That's why it needs to be a community effort of changing the game. The the opposite sideline will be with clackers and screaming and yelling and go and tr- trying to get you angry. And they do and force you into a situation that you're screaming at them. You're meeting them in the parking lot and then a fist fight occurs. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question. There's no, it's, it's really a multi, it's a multi-layer approach of uh, not only, doing a certain percentage, a high percentage of dribbling, uh, definitely incorporate passing. Um, I won't worry about finishing or anything like that until those two things are uh, really going, but they'll naturally do that in a game. It's really getting the parents to buy in to support that, especially in games. Games are number one. We need to get our, our, our focus different on games. It has to change. And I think the change must happen through changing the rules. And if you search on YouTube, you can search soccer math, by Coach Cameron, and I have all these videos of how the game should be scored differently because if we can't really control the parents, which I don't think we're gonna ever going to be able to do unless we change the rules, we have to change the rules where every pass connected is worth the same value as a goal. It can't be like that, Coach Cameron. That doesn't mean I get you can come with a million reasons of not, but what we're doing isn't working. We got to do something different. Uh, is there any more questions? Yeah. All right. Uh, from Chris. How do you balance keeping kids' uh, moral up when they're losing big because you are focusing on development rather than goals? Great question, uh, Chris. So what I do with – that is that is a big problem. You must have a reward system, and I have one. So I have with my parents um, – I have my parents uh, – every one of my parents is keeping track of every touch um, our players have 
on the ball and a game. And then every connected pass, they get a point value. So for Jets team, uh, as soon as they get 400, I think it's 400, 400 touches in a game environment. So we add them game after game after game. We give them rewards. So we got bracelets uh, for them um, that will say 400 400 touch club. And then we have um, 100 passes. So as soon as they get 100 passes, they'll get another bracelet that says, says that. So they're they're collecting those things. And then we're going to elevate it. So we'll take the 100 pass club and we'll say, all right, now it's 300 pass club. And as soon as they get to the 300th level, we'll, we'll, get, we'll increase their reward. So we do everything on simple math. We don't care about goals. We don't say, oh, you scored five goals, you get awarded. We don't even care about that. All we care is about that very basic thing of touches in the game, Dribble, spinning, turning out pressure. You can get points like doing that and then connecting passes. And then we show them their points um, and how many they've gotten. And some some of the kids didn't get any points early on because their parents didn't do it. That's on them. And uh, eventually they all started doing it because they, you know, their kids are like, hey, did you get my touches? Um, that's what you focus on. Uh, we played a game, just to give you an example. We, we played a game where we were playing the uh, No Sunday Soccer Santos club and this team just smashed us and they just didn't i don't think they connected four passes on purpose and never went backwards just down your throat and just killing us and we weren't playing well we could have played a lot better but our kids were just not awake or alert or anything like that and but then the frustration from the sideline and all the stress of all that was coming about i just stayed put and i was just like hey connect the passes i mean on the kickoff we're like trying to get passes and they were even scared to make those passes but eventually and we had quarter breaks, luckily, because it was hot. Um, I kept telling them, like, listen, it's about the numbers. You're trying to get to the 100 uh, uh, pass club. You're trying to get to the 400 touch club. That's what we focus on. This is what we need to do. Stay with it. Keep finding your pass. Go backwards. Connect. Don't be scared to come out of the goal. Do not do not care about the, the, the score line. Nothing. We care about touches and passes, and we're going to reward you based on that. And we stayed with it. And at the end of the game, after another goal was scored on us, off the kickoff, we connected the ball, went back all the way to our back line, around eight consecutive passes to a cross, one touch finish, and we scored. And that was a big deal since we were down like 17-0 at that point, and we scored a goal. But we did it right. We did it not through luck. We did it through that whole thought process. But that's the, it's not easy to have the guts of saying that, but that will help if you had a re- reward system like that. Next question. Um, this is just a comment from Jason. My biggest coaching referee uh, refereeing challenge on game day is the level of excitement of the parents. Yeah. So uh, parents, they get so excited about the games and they shouldn't, they should be almost like they need to take like Benadryl or whatever and just be calm down. Just like chill. They have to be chill. And I have all the parents with me at practice. They're together. If they're going to be there observing, they have to be together. They have to hear what, what I say, including games. I want them right in our huddle. I want them listening to my halftime speech and all that because how we act as coaches, you got to act calm. You got to stay on the focus. What the eye on the prize is repetition because you know, you know, I know, everyone knows if you're trying to learn a new skill, it doesn't matter what it is. Eventually, if they're, if they, uh, your child takes two or three touches and connects a pass, that's, a value. And then, so say it was 
five touches in a game and three passes. And then eventually it's going to be four and five. And then as a team, you're connecting, say, three, four passes in a row without losing. Then it's going to be five. Then it's going to be six. Then it's going to be seven. Then it's going to be eight. Then it's going to be 20. Then it's going to be 30. And then you're doing something special. But you have to go through that horrible process of allowing a lot of goals and uh, taking a lot of risk and trying to teach and educate the importance of don't care about the score. The kids already care. Everyone cares about it. Hide it. Put it. Push it away. Stay on. Keep your eye on the prize. Because over time, you'll be better than your opposition because they're not going to do it. No one's doing it. I'm doing it. And, and I promise you this, that Jets team, eventually, it's not about winning, but they're going to win because we're doing the right thing. We're developing, and when you develop in such a way, you're going to win because your kids will never lose the ball under pressure ever again because you allowed them to experiment, to learn, to fail over and over again to the point of they went got through it. Why do you think skateboarders, BMXers are having so much success doing things at the X Games that you wouldn't even teach or imagine because they didn't have coaches? What they did is experiment. They tried. They failed over and over again, and then they were able to do crazy stuff that didn't seem possible. You, the parents, have to allow that. You, the coach, have to to allow that. Allow the process to happen under the guidance of take a touch or have possession. Look up. Play the way you face. Connect passes. Just play simple. Get everyone the opportunity. Even the worst player in the field, Make sure they get a ton of touches on the ball because you're going to need them because it is a team event. It's a lot of talking. I don't know if any of it makes sense. Any more questions? No. So seeing that there's no more questions, this is Coach Cameron's podcast, episode 710.5. We'll be back next week, next Sunday, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tomorrow morning, the Bears should be number one in the country because strength of schedule, we're the top goal-scoring team in the country is your Phoenix College Bears. And we'll see you guys on Sunday. Peace.